Welcome to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, the ultimate film and TV podcast. We are your hosts, James and Anthony. Welcome to the weekly chat number 35. Let's discuss our live show and our short film wrapping production. Hello, movie friends. Welcome back to the show. There is so much to talk about today. Let's get into updates on our live show, which is on Saturday, January 21st, 2023, noon Pacific time. It is going to be at a theater in downtown Los Angeles. And if you can't come make it in person, you can still tune into the live broadcast of it from around the world with our partner, Moment. So go to moment.co slash Raiders of the Lost to get online digital live stream tickets to tune into the event as it's happening live in person. You'll be just like, it's like you're there with the live, live theater audience you're going to be watching everything that's happening live during the show. And this is going to be, again, Saturday, January 21st at noon Pacific time, meaning that everyone around the world has the opportunity to tune into this live experience that we're going to have for the first time doing something on stage for a It'll crowd. Fun, yeah. And so noon Pacific time, that's 3 p.m. on the East Coast in the United States. That's 8 p.m. in the U.K. That's 7 a.m. in Australia. So Everyone, we planned it so that you can tune in some, wherever you are. And you will be able to interact with us because there's a chat box in the live stream. And we will have a laptop on stage with us to keep an eye on the chat box at all times. So we'll be able to interact with you online. We'll be able to ask you questions or reach out to you and even get you involved in the show. So it's going to be a fun way to interact with us from anywhere around the world, which I'm really excited for too. And the cool thing about the live stream tickets from watching online, you'll also have access to an after party with us, exclusive digital live stream after party, where as soon as the show is over, we go backstage into the green room and have an after party with everyone on moment who is going to participate in the after party, which is super cool. We're super excited about that. But it's going to be an incredible experience. Tickets for the digital moments stream is on the link in our bio of this episode, the YouTube bio, as well as our Instagram bios. Just follow that. Or again, it's moments.co slash Raiders of the Lost podcast, and you got, you can also get the in-person Los Angeles tickets from the link in those bios as well. You, I'll ha I have it labeled so you can distinguish between digital live stream experience versus the in-person tickets. Thanks for doing that, man. The in-person tickets are also available at, or you can just go to DynastyTypewriter.com. That's the name of the theater, DynastyTypewriter.com, and just click on the calendar. Go to January 21st, 2023. You'll see Raiders of the Lost podcast live. You get those tickets right there. Obviously, they're a little more expensive in person, but they're only $12 for the digital stream entire experience. Yeah, and those in person, we're going to do, for anyone who wants to, we're going to do an after party in LA. After the after, after party. The, after the uh, digital after party, we'll do an in-person after party at a nearby brewery. We'll keep you posted with which one we end up picking, but um, there's a lot of great breweries in the downtown LA area with like lots of open space, so anyone who wants to come can just hang out with us for a few hours and catch up, and we just have a really great time uh, post-show, and I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be here before we know it, and uh, we have yet to really make our plan, but we have some good ideas for what we're going to do on stage we have some great uh, things we can uh, do to entertain you all, to make you interact with us, and to make you feel like you're involved and your presence is felt both online and in person. So I think it's going to be an amazing day, and I can't wait to see how it goes because if it goes well, this means that we'll be able to take the show to other countries maybe, uh, other states for sure, 
So we'll see what happens, but I have a good feeling about it. Now let's get into our short film, which we just wrapped production on. It was a crazy week. We filmed all day Monday, all day Tuesday, all day Wednesday. It was just a three-day production in terms of filming. Monday, we filmed in the morning at a very cool divey bar in Los Angeles in Cypress Park. And then we moved on over to North Hollywood for some great interior motel sequences in an awesome studio called Cinepac. And then Tuesday, we shot the apartment sequence, an interior apartment at another studio in Alhambra, followed by some exterior Alhambra shots that we just posted up at a bus stop with our entire crew and camera gear and audio gear. But goddamn, it worked. It, 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 we nailed it. We nailed I knew it. it. We didn't get a permit I'm or nothing. I'm so glad we did that bus stop. Yeah. We just, we mean, I think we went scouting all, like several times about all different parts of the production, but we found the perfect bus stop. No one stopped us. No cops drove by. We were good to go. No one was at the bus stop. We were only there for 25 minutes, but we got what we needed when we bounced. We did it gorilla style. Gorilla style. Yeah. And then Wednesday, then we also did a park in Alhambra for, for some exteriors. And then Wednesday was our big shoot in the deserts of Palmdale, California, just an hour north of Los Angeles in the middle of nowhere, which was grueling, exhausting, freezing, but damn, it was a good time. It, it was. It's really insane. We can actually talk about increments from. Um, we can even go from location to location. Let's do it day by day. But first, I will just say day by day. Day by upon day. <laughs> Don't start. <laughs> it was, You're nothing it, to me but an empty seat. <laughs> I. It's. It's bizarre because so much planning went into just three days. You know, so much time, like two months of planning, two months of like a little anxiety and just so much work and. I, I, we've been, we've been trying to let everyone know that we, we've been super inactive on like the discord and on social media. We've, we've been barely posting on, you know, TikTok that much just because, uh, for especially the last three weeks, it's taken up like every hour of the day, uh, planning and just mentally prepping and getting things set. And there's, oh, I need to buy this. Oh, we need to get that. Oh, we need to get this little thing. And oh, we have to record an episode of the podcast. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So it was just like. For three weeks, it really just ate up all of our like all of our time, and we barely had time to even work on the show. But we managed to get the ball done. Um, but it's really it's interesting and it's kind of funny to see like how two months of build up can just lead into like three incredibly fast days. Boom, 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 done. And it was like this the the days leading up to the shoot were like the slowest days of my life, <laughs> especially the evenings because I didn't get that much sleep just because my mind was racing with like how to do the shots and like there's so many moving parts and I was just like trying to organize it all in my head. It wasn't so much that I was nervous. It was just that I was just like, it's so much to think about, you know, the anxiety. Plus yeah. I was like, I couldn't sleep the the previous two nights before we started shooting. Just like thinking of all the things that could go wrong, making <laughs> sure all the locations are okay. Like what if, what if the audio guy forgets to hit record? Oh my God. Like what's going to happen? You're so neurotic. So like just think about everything that could go wrong. It's funny. We had a conversation. I think the first day we were, uh, we were talking about how neither of us got any sleep. And I was like, yeah, I woke up at like four and I was just like, I just kept thinking about like how I could shoot this sh- these scenes, and I just kept like how I could move the camera and what positions I was, and I was just like my mind was racing about what to do, and then you were like, yeah, I was just freaking out and worried that like this would happen, and this would ha- this would go wrong, that would go wrong, that would go wrong. <laughs> because the thing with filmmaking is, it, obviously, it's a highly creative process, and you have a lot of people working on it together, and the whole point is to make this have this vision come to fruition. I have a vision, but. <laughs> 
filmmaking is problem solving. It's literally just solving one problem problem after another and figuring things out. Versus like it's not as like smooth sailing of a journey as many people might think it is. But it's literally on your toes. You got to figure out solutions to small problems and sometimes major problems, which we had a couple of on the shoot that we almost forced us to. We almost had to do huge reshoots and probably would have had to spend another five thousand dollars on another day of shooting. But we figured out a massive problem on day three and on Wednesday, which we'll talk about in a little well, bit. Yeah, we'll get into. We'll, we'll go, we'll go day by day. But man, it was intense. It was so much fun. It was the best three days yeah. ever. Um, haven't been on set for on a set for a while, so it was really cool to get back into the groove of that. And you know, we had invested a lot of time and money into this, and it's a huge deal for us. But it's only possible because everyone who's listening to this episode right now, and everyone who supports the show, all of our patrons, all the people who donated, all the people who watch us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, watch us on TikTok, Instagram, who everyone who supports us as a fan listens to us. It's only possible because of you all. You know, giving us the opportunity to start doing these kinds of projects, which is our our dream and our passion, is to make movies. It wouldn't we wouldn't be doing it if it wasn't for all of you. So so we can't thank you all enough for this opportunity. It's as much yours as it is ours, and thank you so much. And uh, the shoot went really smoothly, except for the third day. But the third day, uh, for the most part, was pretty smooth because. We made a feature when we were very young. We were in like twenty one and but nineteen we did, and twenty. Nineteen twenty, yeah. Nineteen. I was a sophomore in college. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was a difficult process because it was just me and you, and then our buddy Andrew, Andrew, if he's listening, Andy, Andy, was, and Andy, and Andy was the lead. He's a terrific guy. And but I was doing the, I did the camera on my shoulder, and you were doing the boom. So I was, I was, video, guy. I, I was video. You were sound. <laughs> that was it. And sometimes we had Andrew. Sometimes we didn't. Yeah. So, so we just wore all the hats on the production. But with this, it was a much easier process because once uh, we were on set, I had hired all these specialists um, positions for the crews, and they all were absolute pros. From our DP to his gaffer, our sound guys were excellent. The, our groomer was fantastic. The actors were amazing. And then the sets were really just perfect. Um, and then I did the costuming, which ended up working out pretty well. So we didn't have to worry about costume. Uh, we did production design together. So we just, we just added shit to the sets that we needed. Uh, so those two major crew um, pieces were actually us as well. But And groomer is hair and makeup. Yeah, both. yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but um, to have those essential parts of the crew taken care of by absolute professionals and um, really talented people, it honestly made the shoots very easy, especially that first day. It was honestly super seamless and we started i i started with i i organized the schedule and i saved the desert shoot for last day because i knew it would be the hardest and i didn't want to put the cast especially through that because it was it's quite physical that entire um 10 minutes of the movie i didn't want to put them through that in the cold some intense things happened yeah and then asked them like oh yeah we're gonna shoot two more days of dialogue and stuff so i was saving that for last um and i and i scheduled the most important dialogue scene for the first thing we shot because I felt like if we nailed that scene, everybody would feel good about it, especially the actors. I felt like if they felt good about that scene, if they loved what they did and really enjoyed the process and found the characters in that moment, then it would be pretty much smooth sailing for them uh, for the rest of the fil- for the rest of the shoot. And that basically is what happened. And in that no, we the first thing we filmed, it's a five-page scene in a dive bar all dialogue and it went really well and i think after that 
everyone felt very confident. And once the actors got to see what they looked like on screen in their wardrobe and costumes, um, running the scenes together, I think everyone was in really good spirits after that. So it was a great starting off point um, doing the bar scene first. But we did have one minor issue on the bar scene day where the day before I put in an order for 20 Chipotle burritos. <laughs> oh, my God. Because <laughs> it's a catering order. And w with it, like you get like a bunch of chips, you get guac and tons of sides and, and utensils. So it's like... It's a, it's a really great catering thing. It was it's terrific. A, it's a big yeah. box, and it was, it was good. And we still had some freezers, uh, burritos in the freezer. I had burritos for two days. But um, so I, I, we planned it where we'd shoot for, well, we, we had the space from, what, 10.45 to 5. We planned on wrapping production probably at 3. I mean, that's pretty much when we did That was wrap. my plan, yeah. And then, so I had the burritos ordered to be delivered at 3. Um, DoorDash, I'm coming for you right now. So I put the order in the day before, 24 hours in advance, like you're supposed to. And confirmation was fine, and then it's two forty-five, and we're almost done with filming this entire this entire set for this part. And then I get a text from DoorDash or from Chipotle that says, "Hey, your Chipotle order's been canceled. Have a good day." And I'm just like, "What the actual hell? What it are was you serious? Yeah, fifteen minutes before it's supposed to be here for feeding all fifteen people who are on set right now, cast crew, um, burritos just got canceled. So I'm like, "What the hell?" So I. I called the Chipotle where they were supposed to be made. I'm like, hey, I have an order, a catering order for 20 burritos from Chipotle from your restaurant that's supposed to be delivered to this to an address at 3 p.m. in 10 minutes. And I just got a confirmation that it was canceled just now. And he's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I, we didn't get an order for 20 burritos. I'm like, oh, my God. That's All right, crazy. bye. He's like, call, call 1-800-CHIPOTLE. So I was like, you got to be kidding me. So I called 1-800-CHIPOTLE. I'm on phone with a robot going through the entire system of like that was one sucked. for this that must have been unnerving press two for extra sour cream and and then um <laughs> then i'm getting a phone call from the chipotle that i just called and the guy calls me he's like hey i just got a call from doordash they canceled your order last minute but it just came through here i can have your burritos done in 15 minutes and i'm like oh my god that's amazing to hear and i'm like how long would it take for delivery and he's like, I can't deliver it, but you, I can have them ready in 15 minutes if you pick them up. I'm like, all right, I'm sending somebody. And we sent Cody. So Cody and Calvin. Yeah, throw them. Yeah, they, they were. Yeah, they came. They came to Los Angeles. Cody from Nebraska. Calvin from Northern California. From North Eureka. San, Eureka in uh, north of San Francisco. Um, they came to L.A. and they were crew for the entire shoot. Amazing PAs. Just the, the most incredible time working with them and, and we we're so grateful to have them and they even crashed at our house for for three nights which was super fun um even though every night we were just so exhausted we just ate food on the couch and, and watched gladiator <laughs> <laughs> but um cody and calvin we can't thank you guys enough for for helping us out so much on the shoot they were busting their butts every single day helping the gaffer with all of his crazy amount of gear and c-stands and light stands and and whatever needed to be done on the set, they were running around like crazy. So they were so helpful and beneficial to have. We wouldn't have been able to shoot the short film as efficiently as we did without them. So they were integral to the show, to the shoot. So then Cody went and picked up the burritos for us. And unfortunately, like five or six people had left, so they didn't get to get their burritos. Yeah, so it yeah. felt bad. But we got lots of leftovers. But we had eight. So then we had eight. No, we had 10 burritos <laughs> left over. And we were about to go shoot at another loca location at six o'clock. And uh, I was, I had to get there for five, and it was four o'clock. Because you were picking something up or something, right? I had to pick up cigarettes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for our shoot, for the shoot, not, not for, for not for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I gotta start. I, I started smoking ciggies, kid. I go to Costco, I get a cotton of cigarettes every week. 
um, in a box of wine. But um, <laughs> nothing wrong with smoking. Nothing wrong. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not great for your lungs. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, so I went to drop. So then, before I went to the second location for the day, I dropped off ten burritos to our freezer. And we're still eating them to this day. <laughs> yeah, we've been microwaving <laughs> them. That's money. You can't just throw that away. That's that's money. I had right a carnitas one yesterday and a chicken one today. I spent three hundred fifty dollars on that order. It's a lot of burritos. <laughs> you know that 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 guy at the Chipotle or, or the woman, um, whoever they were, if they were like the manager or something, he, that's a lot of money. Yeah, it's, it's, that's a lot of money. That's a, a lot of order. sales. Big order. Yeah, big order. That's a big. That's that's like that's good, a good that's good, a good rush. Good rush right yeah. there. So I dropped off the burritos. We saved two because we needed two for filming a scene later that night. Which worked perfectly. Because <laughs> the next sequence, and we shot at a great... Well, I'll just say, before we move on, um, that was the first set that we used the fog machine. And the fog machine added this really terrific layer of just haze in all of our interior sets. And it just added a, a film look to it. Because we shot digitally, but our DP was using this... Uh, basically a grain filter uh, in front of the lens to add a graininess to it to give it that quality. So it's not it's kind it's, of replicate yeah, film. It's, it's not digital grain. It's actually there's there's a physical grain in front of the lens, which really helps because the digital grain looks cool, but this looks better. And um, that combined, because even though we're shooting digitally, I couldn't afford, I wanted to shoot on 16 mil, but I could not even come close to affording it. And so we just went this approach and the that combined with this haze and the practical lighting that I instructed the DP and Gaffer to go with, because I want I uh, the vision for all the interiors was practical lights like Deacon, um, that would just be like it's not just perfect lighting on an actor. It needs to feel like it would feel realistic for the space that whatever space they're in. If the a room's lit just by two lamps, then that's the light for the scene, you know. And if this bar is lit by just the lamps over each table, that's the approach we took to lighting the actors. So it's actually not like super flattering light but it feels like there's a light hanging right above their head which is where we just there was there was a lamp above them as part of the bar but we just took it out and put like a nice studio um uh, lights above them but duplicated the look of that kind of lighting now and the, the haze helped the so fog much because i brought it up to you like what a month ago yeah i was like i used to use a fog machine at my old job and it looks really cool we might want to think about bringing one into the set and i hadn't i totally forgot we talked about it, and then like you brought it up to me like three days before shoot. You're like, "Hey, I think I think we should get the fog machine." I'm like, "Fuck yeah, dude, let's go!" <laughs> yeah, it was it was always in the back of my mind. It was yeah. it was just like I have like I had like a thousand things in my mind. Yeah, you I know? know. But I remember I totally forgot that I brought it up to you, and I told you how cool it looks. And um, and then like it was we were shooting Monday. I think you brought it up Friday, and I was like, "All right, I'm ordering it right I was like, now." I was like, "Get the fog machine." I was machine. like, "Should I get it?" You're like, "Yeah, get the fog machine." <laughs> and uh, I'm glad we did. Yeah, we used it in every location except for the desert exterior. Yeah, except for the exteriors. Yeah, the ex all yeah. interiors we hazed we hazed up. It it really helps so much. Yeah, it looks beautiful, and our DP just did a quick little color grade, just just a quick like LUT. He and it's not even like I'm sorry. I'm just saying, he just threw a quick LUT on some of the footage, and just that, without even tinkering with it, really looked fantastic. And now, like you hearing us say "fog machine," it's not like you couldn't see through a cloud of smoke while yeah. you're filming. It's just it adds a very like visually, you can see it when you're in the room, but also it's it's more hazy to your eye in person versus when the camera and the lighting picks up on it. It looks a lot more natural. Yeah, it just fills in a little more ambiance into every situation in every room, and just adds. A subtle touch of production value that you would have never thought of. Yeah, it, it makes light bloom, and what that does is so like for this bar scene, for example, like there's so there's a shot, uh, the medium the medium shot of one of the actors, and, and the behind him were the row of booths, 
and then there we had a couple of extras sitting there and and you can see the lamps in that frame there's a lamp above each booth of this di of this dive bar and they're beautiful stained glass lamps and i was like we get they were actually up high in the ceiling um the bar keeps them up high to prevent them from getting hit but i was like bro let's lower these because they look fantastic and i'm so glad i made that decision but what it does is so like if a in, in, especially in a dimly lit room, if light is pouring across the screen without the haze, you're, you're just seeing what the subject that it's hitting, the light will be there. And then if the light is on screen, you'll see the light. But what the haze does is you'll be able to see like this bloomed ray of light through like pouring through the dust and just not dust, but the haze, but the haze just subtly catches it. And you can basically kind of see kind of like a, a, a subtle ray of light as opposed to nothing in the background. It would have just been empty space, and it really, it's really stunning looking. It's beautiful. It's and, subtle, but it's great. In the bar, we also had some fans of the show. They came to be extras. So uh, Tristan, who is an extra, uh, he came from Orange County, friend of the show. He was an extra in the bar sequence. He also was an extra the next day at the bus stop scene. So yeah, Tristan, thank you so much for coming it. all the way from the OC twice, two days in a row. Uh, Reyes came from San Diego. He was Amazing. a bar extra. And then, Raphael, thank you so much also for coming to be a part of the extras and hanging out on set and just being in the background. Leroy as well, you're the man. Took his day off work to come help us out. So thank you guys so much for being extras. It adds so much to the scene, so much authenticity and realism. And without you, it wouldn't look the same. It wouldn't have been as fun. And, and Hater as well. Hater as well, who's our composer for the movie. He he showed up just in time to be an extra in a wide shot. He just showed fun. up to check out the set and we were like, yo, you want to be the bartender? He looked perfect as a bartender. Yeah, he's got a great mustache. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the extras are essential and we appreciate it so much. And then after the bar sequence, we shot at a motel stage, a motel uh, location set. It's just this really cool, um, big ass studio building, Cinepac, and they have like different types of interiors. They have hallways, they have office spaces, they have apartments, they have there's like a nursing room office, and then there's a there's a fake ramen shop. There's a, 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 a convenience conven store. Convenience store. Yeah. There's a gas station. They also have a big uh, stage for filming car interiors with like a fake back, like an LCD LED, background yeah. mm -hmm. for like uh, the the world passing by, so you can film interiors of cars in there while cars are. Fake, like supposedly moving. Oh, he plays basketball outside the limo. Let's keep feels good. Okay, job. <laughs> it's like you're an actor, except <laughs> you're, not, you're not wealthy. You don't make a lot of money. You have to do it forever. Oh, like a maid. <laughs> Keen Peel reference. <laughs> um, so that was a really cool location to shoot at. Beautiful lighting that we managed to pull off with our great DP and his gaffer. Um, Isaac Park was our DP. And then RJ, RJ Chata was our was, gaffer. Was our gaffer. Great crew. They were terrific to work with every single day. Just yeah, every, so much yeah. enthusiasm and positivity. Hardworking guys. Just focused uh, solely on telling the best story possible with us. And it was what was I was so impressed by, especially with that set, because the bar was relatively simple to light. Um, but they did do a, a, a phenomenal job. But the motel sequence was really where. They, I had a really specific idea of what I wanted all the lighting to look like and what the framing to look like, and they executed everything that I wanted perfectly, but very quickly. I would be like, I want this and this, and then it took them a, a couple of times to, to adjust to like what I wanted, but then once they found like, oh, this is the look he wants, it was like pretty seamless, um, and I made it, I, I made, they were obviously working hard, and I had to make a couple adjustments. Um, but then I'm glad because I'm, I'm, you don't want to be afraid to tell them to tell someone that changed something. 
you have to be open. You have to be like, this isn't working for me. Do this instead or change that. Or I don't You have to have that. You can't be a nice guy. And although I, I like to think that most of the time I was very pleasant, but there are, there were times where I was like, no, I, uh, don't do this. I, I want to can you change this and change that. The shot looks great, but it's not exactly right yet. And you, you have to be able to, you know, be like, Hey, it's not it. You get to go back, go at it again, try it again. Um, so yeah, I was able to just like fine tune exactly what I wanted. Um, but they worked so fast and made the, every frame really beautiful, especially in that scene. Very diligent guys. Yeah. And then, um, also our cast was great. We had, um, uh, Rob Watkins, uh, Bobby Adamson, uh, Nathan Kane came in. He was our stunt choreographer and stunt coordinator. He also had a role in the film as well. Um, so, so our two leads were terrific, Bobby and Rob, and they were phenomenal. Bobby went through a lot in this film, so we're really excited to see his performance and for you all to see him. And he was such a trooper. Rob as well, huge trooper, lots of location traveling. Yeah, they did a lot. Lots of they long did a days. Lot. Yeah. Um, they, we had, we asked terrific. a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. But the motel sequence was a lot of fun. It was, it was really cool to shoot that. I had my cameo in that scene, so I can't wait yeah, to see it. Yeah. Oh, my God. I have I, a I was, cameo. You have a great... Cause so, so this movie, it's a dark crime drama, but there is some really great dark humor in it. It's like the dark South Korean yeah. humor vibe. And it I, I feel like it really worked because I was trying to not to laugh out loud a, a bunch of times while we were filming every day. And like there were times where I was just like trying not to laugh because it was, it was working for me, I think, in the moment. Mm-hmm. Definitely. This kid, it's actually funny when Anthony's <laughs> watching the monitors... So we have our uh, <laughs> our DP, he shot on his Ari Alexa Mini for the first two days, then his Sony A7X the second day for the exteriors because it just works better in sunlight, um, having the ability to have better ND filters for, for you know working with the sun, filming directly into the sun area. And and we, he also set up what's called Video Village, which is where uh, a monitor is set up to, to live stream the footage being taken. Whatever's on the camera screen, the camera's monitor is being broadcast wirelessly to the monitor at Video Village, so you can get a, a very clear look at it versus the small monitor that he's looking at on his on his camera, on his rig, and so Video Village is exceptional. And Anthony at first like refused to use it; he wouldn't look at it because Anthony likes to be like right behind camera. <laughs> and then you started getting used to Video Village. And, I uh, for I still prefer it, but just for shots like the hallway where yeah, we yeah. had to be in a different room, yeah, that was um, fine with that. So, but the Video Village. Uh, well, what the hell was I just saying with this? Me watching it. Oh yeah. So when you, but when Anthony's watching a take that he really likes, he he just like he like dances, he bobs up and down <laughs> like an old man. He's like yes, yes. And sometimes, sometimes you you you're like saying things out loud. And like one time, I'm like, did we get good audio on that? Because Anthony's like, yes, yes, yeah, yep, 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 yep. And I'm like, they're running lines, dude. <laughs> but Anthony gets really excited. And he's like, he like bobs up and down, and he like dances while he's watching. It's it's really it's really uh, endearing, actually. <laughs> I think I was fist pumping too. Yeah. And then uh <laughs> I got so excited. I just get so excited. Then day 2 we shot interiors <laughs> at an apartment location, like same kind of deal as the Cineplex place this this studio has apartment interiors, office interiors, all kinds of stuff like that that you you can film at. And the apartment was <laughs> dusty as fuck and crummy as hell, but <laughs> they have like several different kinds of rooms. Kitchens, bathrooms, uh It looks legit rooms. too. It looks like uh, a home. Yeah, bedrooms and they also have a ton of different knickknacks and furniture that you can they have a whole warehouse full of stuff that you can just dress your set with whatever is there you know it's part of the part of your rental that was a great day of filming because we shot interiors in an apartment but then we also utilized the rear of the building to shoot exterior shots in car 
so we didn't have to worry about moving everything to a different location so that we could be as efficient as possible. So then we just posted up literally behind the building that we were filming the interiors at for a sequence that was in car in a parked car in the script to just make it easier on our lives to just film it there. I came up with that a week before we filmed there because I was worried like where I was trying to figure out where we could shoot the scene because it's just two characters talking in a parked car. And then I was like, wait a second. There's like this big alley like parking lot behind that building and we have the rental there. Let's just do it there. <laughs> Cause I was like I was like, it's obvious. And then that saved us from having to find another location, from having to move to set up at another location, uh, just to have everything was already there. So it just that saved us so much time. And it looked really good. Yeah. And then so that was a that was a pretty good day of filming on uh on Tuesday. And then we did some exteriors after that, um, at a park. And then also, so we did a, a oneer. Oh yeah, we, we so did we, a great oneer. We did a, a first. Oh, first we went to the bus stop, and we did a couple takes at a, at a bus stop. The one we were talking about earlier, where we just posted up to the bus stop, yeah. no permits, no nothing, just grill filmmaking, just like all right, let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, me and Anthony, of course, though, we scouted that bus stop out a couple weeks ago. I knew it would be perfect, man. It was a good, I, good I was, location because we. I was every bus stop looks looked terrible. Yeah, and it was just like it would just be a bench in a trash can. But, but this this one had a really terrific uh, look to it, as well as. Uh, the environment around it was just too good to pass up. Yeah, you, you'll see it uh, when everyone eventually sees the movie. Uh, but we did deal with the problem of, like, people can be a-holes, and they try honking when you're, like, rolling and just to ruin your take and yeah, just ruin your day. I don't understand people, People man. are really rude. Like, luckily, that scene didn't entail any dialogue. Someone tried to do it, and we weren't rolling, so we were, that was actually fortunate. Yeah. But um, it was it was a great—it's a great uh, one take uh, to open the film. And it's about 30-second take, but it's just uh, pretty simple camera movements, and we got— it ended up being three different setups in the one take, and I think it's just a great way to open the film, has some energy to it, uh, and it was fun. It was quick, and it turned out kind of pretty much exactly how I pictured it in my head. And then I was very happy with it. Yeah, and then Wednesday was the big Well, then day. we had the sunset. So oh, we, in, the, in the park. Yeah, so we planned to shoot this. It was originally written to be a, a nighttime sequence, and um, a character um, uh, has, a sequen- has a scene on a bench, on a park bench at night. And we got there at dusk, and um, we were, like, taking our time because the sun was still there, and we still had to wait. We had to wait, like, probably 30, 35 minutes for the sun to light to be completely gone so we could make it look like a nighttime sequence. But then <clears throat> I was standing at the bench, and I was standing in the park, and I was, like, looking at the sky in the background. It was just, like, really beautiful. And I was like, this doesn't have to be at night. And the nighttime lighting could look kind of boring, but I was, and I was like, this light is unbelievable. So I was like, I told our DP and the graffer, I was like, change of plans. We're shooting it with the sunset. We got to set this up. And then they, they ran to their cars and started grabbing gear because Isaac had to grab his camera and his easy rig. And then RJ had to grab a, a certain light to make it look like it just a tiny bit of fill that looked natural, not like a, not too artificial. And then they were, they ran up the, the hill to the bench in the park and quickly we got set and we filmed that. As that scene, as well as the character uh, arriving at the park, walking, just before the sunset light just completely uh, disappeared. We got it literally within like a minute of it going seconds, away. Dude, seconds, dude. It was so it was so tight, but it worked. And we checked. The, I was just, I was just wasn't sure about that footage because it could have been noisy if he had to jack his ISO up. But we were trying to stay, take it easy on the ISO to not make any um, digital noise on the footage. And you and I looked at it yesterday, and it, it looks stunning, honestly. I loved it. 
And then Wednesday was the big day. This was the hour drive to Palmdale from Los Angeles. Getting to set uh, call time at 6.45 a.m. in the desert this time of year was 30 degrees Fahrenheit. That is, what's 30 degrees Fahrenheit in Celsius? Let me check. It's about, it's about three or four. Fahrenheit, Fahrenheit to Celsius. So 30 degrees is negative one degrees Celsius. Oh, whoa. So freezing temperatures, below freezing, just below freezing. So negative one degrees Celsius, 30 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, it was that cold for about until like 11 when the sun started to like really feel warm. Yeah, it was feeling, us. it was feeling. I didn't finish. <laughs> feel warm. <laughs> All right. Um, but it was beautiful location. Anthony and I had been there twice before filming. And the guy who owns, who owns the place, he owns 100 acres of this beautiful desert landscape. And it's... Technically, you know, it's a private space, but, you know, he can't prevent everyone from hanging out there. People, like, go for hikes and ride horses. Yeah, and yeah. Unfortunately, also, people motocross and, and do four-wheelers all over the place. He there. doesn't have it fenced off, the whole property. So, so it's it's private property, so people aren't supposed to do that, and it kind of ruins the environment big time because yeah, there's just yeah. tracks everywhere. We honestly spent a lot of time, especially Cody and Calvin, who were just such troopers, um, just sweeping up the tracks, which was, it, they smoothed out the sand and made it look like it was undisturbed. And it was a great location. It's gorgeous. And we filmed probably like eight minutes of the script there. The entire third act takes place at this desert. We did uh, 10 pages. Or is it about 10 yeah. pages. And everyone was such a trooper because we were there from, you know, 7 a.m. till 7 p.m. You know, everyone was there all goddamn day. Like we wrapped at, at 5.45, but it took a while to pack everything up. Yeah. And we were packing up in the dark. Yeah, it got super dark because yeah. obviously the sun drops around 4.35 o'clock this time of year. And it was, a, it was a really terrific shoot. Everything mostly went to plan. We did run out of light, and we, have to, we had to get some pickup shots this past weekend with one of the actors. But it wasn't that much work. It was just 30 minutes we needed him to do some quick stuff. Literally three shots. No, just like super simple stuff. Because we ran out of light, you know. Yeah. We, we just had no light to work with, so we had to kind of rush in. We ran out because there were a couple problems. And, and, but yeah. fortunately, we, we planned it to shoot it chronologically. So this entire sequence, it's, it's rare to shoot a movie chronologically, but... You know, this this sequence right here is best to do it because we had one day to film. We only had, we don't have that much, we didn't have really duplicates of wardrobe for the lead actors, just for one of them we did. And I also wanted the scene to showcase, it feels like a day's passing yeah. for the, so the light changing, I wanted, I wanted that to, I wanted the audience to feel that. Yeah, and yeah. The, the characters interact with the environment, so yeah. like things happen to their wardrobe with dust and dirt and stuff like that, so we had to maintain continuity. And it wouldn't have worked if we didn't, because we don't have. Many I couldn't afford five outfits of each actor. That's, we, that wasn't gonna work. And um, so we shot a bunch, bunch of different sequences here, and you know it was a huge space, and we had you know different spots, generally in the same. I would say like, what like a thousand foot radius for the different setups. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Like a thousand foot radius, we were shooting all over the place, but we had like our craft services in one location. We shot something here. The DP and all his stuff was over there. His our gaffer had his stuff in a different spot. So. Basically, we were just running around from five different spots in this big open area. Beautiful location because in addition to having just flat desert terrain, we have great bushes and stuff like that. But we also had beautiful Joshua trees uh, in different parts of it that we shot at too. And it's gorgeous for the snow-capped mountains in the background. Distance, yeah. yeah. Beautiful snow-capped mountains, skyline, landscapes. Yeah. It's it's gorgeous. It was a really beautiful place. It's worth the drive. Worth no the snakes. No snakes <laughs> no at snakes. all. snakes. Lots of rat holes. Lots of holes that... You know, <laughs> well, you know, we're sh good thing we're shooting in December. Yeah, we shot in December. Yeah, um, we did have a major problem though on set where about well, we were dealing with 
above us overhead were planes and helicopters out of nowhere. Um, you know, you do run that risk when you're filming exteriors. You have to deal with external noise unless you're in a very, you know, secluded area. And But we, we were getting a lot of propeller planes that fly very, you know, pretty low that you can hear them. Not like you can't like hear, hear see or hear like a, a plane that's 32,000 feet. In the yeah, air. You, you can't, can't hear, hear that thing. Yeah. But like a propeller plane that's maybe just a couple thousand feet in the air, you can definitely hear. So we had to deal with maybe an hour where uh, they kept coming in and out. And then also this helicopter was just doing circles around this entire area. It wasn't like doing circles like right above our head, but like it was doing a huge radius circle of must have been we a 20, like, 20 mile radius. We or were like in the yeah. center of it, but and you could hear it. As long as you can see a helicopter, you can hear it. Yeah. You know, we had to deal with that a lot because the the sound, even though he's using a boom mic, I mean a condensed mic on on the boom, you can still pick up on all the audio in the sky. And it's not like a, it's not like it's a room tone or like a, a hum that you can pretty easily eliminate. It was like the choppy at some points where that's not you can't edit that out. There's no way to get rid of that in post, and it was honestly extremely frustrating because um, I planned the day out very specifically and. I, I planned that we would have a little extra time just in case, but this was just during a really pivotal dialogue scene. Um, it's really the hook of the film, and it started right after the actors, uh, at, right after Rob's second take, or after Rob's first take uh, of the scene, and we had to just wait it out. And but we we were getting to the point where it was like I was worried if it was ever going to go away, but I also knew that we needed to get. A couple of really good takes for each actor just to have the coverage to edit with the wide shot. And so I just took the chance of let's let's wait it out and see what happens. And it was honestly very it was quite nerve wracking. Um, but I, I, I think I did a good job of internalizing it. I was kind of I mean, obviously, I was really stressed on the inside. But I think if you maintain <clears throat> you got to hide your emotions, you know, you can't show if you panic, other people are going to panic. And if you look stressed out, other people are going to look stressed out. So even though I was dying on the inside, uh, I wasn't projecting that. And I just took the chance. I was like, let's just wait it out. Let's just wait and see what happens. Luckily, I think after 45 minutes, the helicopter disappeared and we were able to run um, Rob's second take and then Bobby's other two takes. And they're quite clean. And um, we were able to move on eventually. There was also a wardrobe problem. We won't get into why it broke, but... Um, a person's necklace broke, uh, and we had to, for continuity, we had to fix it to get it on onto the person. We had one. We didn't we have one necklace. Huge was, learning lesson. Yeah, my fault. To have uh, you, it's, multiple you, props. You need to have duplicate props. It was such a dumb thing of me to not get multiple, um, because we had to figure out how to put this necklace on, um, because the strap broke off. So there's no way to we had to like link it up. You got you put paper clips on it and tied it to his shirt. Well, so the, the necklace shirt. broke off and we were shooting chronologically. If we weren't, we'd be screwed. We would have had to do yeah. another day of filming. And so the necklace broke when it wasn't supposed to break on one of the characters. And then we had to figure out a reason for why this necklace has to come off this person's body. For the rest of the shooting. For the rest of the day. And this was at like 1230. Because we couldn't, so we won't get into why, but we couldn't shoot the, the rest of the film with the, with the necklace pinned to him. So what we, so yeah. we, we safety pinned it to his shirt for the dialogue but there's parts where you know it would have been unsafe to have the pins yeah you can hurt somebody could have gotten cut so then we had to figure out how to break it and uh, i i won't say what specifics we got into but, yeah. but but first of all we had to figure out what to do yeah how do we explain the necklace breaking on the spot on the fly while we're we have four hours of sun left and we still have to shoot a bunch of stuff later 
and which is why we have to do pickup. We had to do pickups, and we were delayed by the helicopters. Exactly. Yeah. So we were running out of time. We had to figure it out. Um, but we we came up with a solution on the spot and fixed it, fixed the problem, and we're able we're able to explain what happens to the necklace for later on when it's not on the person that's wearing it because it would have not made sense. And audience would have been like, what happened to the necklace that was just around his neck? Exactly. And the irony is um, we had to, we, the necklace was a must because the day before we, we filmed a scene that takes place in this just moments before this scene where the character was wearing the necklace. So we had to have the necklace. It was a must. Um, but the irony is that uh, it was a last minute decision to have him wear the necklace. <laughs> but we solved it, man. So- solved it. That's- well, you came up with the idea for how to explain it. Um, so that saved uh, that moment big time. Saved us 5K. Yeah. Because we would have had to hire out the DP for another day and all the actors man. and all the man, makeup oh and everything. Would have been terrible. sound. We would have had to do a whole other day of shooting in the desert. But it didn't happen. <clears throat> that didn't happen. That's we, what I we mean. We got everything shot. It's problem solving. <laughs> on the on your feet, high level problem solving. Yeah. it's It ended up working out, but it was just like, man, those two things was just like... It was annoying. It was it, those. It was it was a tough two hours that yeah. bit. But once we we wrapped that sequence, we broke for lunch, and then it was basically smooth sailing because we lost a lot of time, and my schedule um, was no longer as <laughs> valid for how I had it planned. We had to kind of rush the rest of the shoot and do less takes than I wanted to. Um, but it wasn't much dialogue. It wasn't really complicated. It was more just uh, action and movement, um, and so the important dialogue was taken care of. So I felt comfortable shooting pretty quickly. It's very simple stuff. Uh, it's basically all action montage stuff. So uh, we were we just burned through the rest of the script. And then we got to another pivotal scene that was just, it wasn't a lot of dialogue, but it's just pretty important. So we were a little bit more careful filming that. But in between those, the lunch and the final moment, we basically run and gunned it. But we, we got everything we needed except for a couple of shots, which we got for pickups. A few days later, it was just a couple of things to make sense of uh, a character arriving in the location, which we just, it just slipped my mind to shoot that stuff. So we just literally had to shoot another day, character just pulling up to the location and getting out of a car. There's, it's that simple of a thing, that little of a thing that because we didn't shoot it, it wouldn't make sense for the scene if it's not there. Yeah. And this is why, you know, it's, it's, a lot of work when me and Anthony specifically were wearing like 17 hats, even though we had hired groomer, sound, DP, gaffer, and we had PAs still wearing a, a, t- a dozen hats each. You know, it, we still like it's tough when you're doing everything with the crew and the production, as well as you also have to be a script supervisor reading all the dialogue at the same time as it's, as it's going. You have to kind of just watch the filmmaking from an editing standpoint as well, make sure the takes are usable and will make sense to be, to be able to fit in when we're in the editing room. So it's a, it's a combination of all that as well as making sure everyone's safe, everyone's drinking water. Uh, Nathan Kane, our stunt choreographer, was tremendous. He, he made everyone feel safer on sets. Um, he also choreographed the sequences for us that we needed choreographing for and made everyone feel at ease. And yeah, we did, we had a fake, uh, firearm. So, yeah, uh, he was uh, terrific with the safety protocols and made everyone feel comfortable about it and made, and helped us a lot with a lot of blocking sequences as well. So he was terrific, but I mean, there's still like so many things going on, even just like dealing with craft services and feeding everybody, making sure everyone's staying hydrated um, give it, getting the gaffer and the DP whatever they need, and, and there's a million things that go into it. And it's tough when you're 
you know, you're handling all of that because we don't have the budget to hire a script supervisor and hire people to do this thing, hire someone to do that. And we were doing everything, but we still had a lot of help, which was incredible, but it, it's still like a, a huge learning experience. And it was the best week ever, man. It was so much fun. Like I can't wait to, to do it again, but we got to get this movie done because then after the shoot Thursday was all just like waking up and trying to recover from the three crazy <laughs> days we had of no sleep and crazy amounts of work. Yeah, uh, I got three hours of sleep before the last day. And then, um, you know, we had so our cars were full of trash and oh my gear God. And, and wardrobe and all sorts of stuff. So two days of cleaning up, honestly. Yeah, like cleaning. We also had to clean up the desert after the shoot because there was stuff everywhere. But all our crew was incredible and helpful with that. Yeah. Obviously, we had to we had to make re some returns on gear and clothing and stuff. There's just so much to do, so much to worry about. And yeah, I made a return at Banana Republic because there's a couple of outfits that were super expensive that I got from Banana. And I was like, I'm not taking the tags off these. And then, <laughs> but so one outfit, it's just a cashmere polo. And then the other was um, uh, a blue sweater. I got three of them. Um, I won't tell you why, but we needed three of the same sweater. And so I returned one of them because the other two were unusable for returns. And so I returned the cashmere polo with one of the sweaters. And the clerk was like, so you bought three of these and you're, and you're returning one? And I was like, yeah. She's like, is there a reason why? And I was like, oh, no, this, this, one, um, this one was for me and it just didn't agree with my skin and I didn't like it. <laughs> She's like, she was like, okay. I didn't agree with my skin. She was so confused. She was like, you bought three of these and you're returning one. <laughs> three of the same color and size. I was like, just give me my money. Okay. Yeah, I'm, you should have been like, I'm a triplet. <laughs> and one died. One of the triplets died. <laughs> That's morbid. I'm sorry. <laughs> but um, yeah, and then still recovering, still trying to catch up on sleep. It's tough to like come down from the adrenaline rush of three days like that. But it, it was great. We uh, the incredible cast and crew made it such a unforgettable experience. Everyone was great. Vivian, our our groomer, was terrific as well. Um, but yeah, we had so much fun, and we got to edit it and. Haters doing our music, our buddy haters. Our yeah, composer. yeah, yeah. The edit's gonna. I don't see it taking too long. It's just like the mixing and the sound design. So we're gonna we get to edit and then trim it down to the 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 final cut, and then we send it to both. Uh, Jacob's gonna do the audio mixing and he's gonna clean up the dialogue and also he'll balance out the music as well because he's the man. And then. Hater, our composer is going to make the music, and we also have to do any yeah. uh, necessary foley work. We have to do yeah, sound foley, effects and stuff yeah. at some point once we once we have an edit down, so we can figure out doing stuff like that. Yeah, and also color grading. So Isaac and I are going to color grade it together to find um, the right tone for all the sequences. And so I'm actually really looking forward to that because his quick, like super fast edit looked fantastic. So I think that we can. If we take our time and really fine-tune it, we can get a really terrific look for the film. So and I'm looking forward yeah, to and it. Unfortunately, our live show, we won't be able to premiere. The short film there, we originally thought we could, but good. thank goodness we looked into um, submission guidelines. It. And so, so we're submitting this movie to festivals, obviously. Uh, short film festivals, Sundance, uh, Tribeca, Tribeca all, all everything. Yeah. And one of the requirements is it has to be the world premiere of your film. So you can have a private screening, but it has to be with cast and crew only. You can't do yeah. a screening, even a private one, with anyone else because that would count as a, a premiere, premiere for yeah. the movie. So we cannot show it. On, unfortunately, we cannot show it at the the live show that we're going to do in January. And, yeah, and we can't call it a private screening if potentially a thousand people are watching yeah, it. Yeah, and if it's being yeah. broadcast, it's not private. Yeah. So unfortunately, we can't show it to anyone yet that isn't cast and crew. 
Um, but we, we will share some stills, I think. We'll yeah. show stills. We won't yeah. have a trailer or anything, but we you will get to see it eventually. Yeah, and the reason why we're not going to cut a trailer is because it's a short film. The film's going to be end up being under 20 minutes, and if we cut a trailer, it's basically going to give away everything um, because there's so few scenes, and so we can't cut a trailer, unfortunately. But we will... Uh, we'll, we'll put up a bunch of really great stills for everyone to get a sense for what the vision of it looks like. And then, you know, uh, festivals go well. We might get into one of them, and that would be the world premiere, and then everyone can see it after that. That yeah. would be fantastic. Hopefully, cross our fingers, we do. But we got to edit it first and get it done. Hopefully, first week of January, it will be in the bank, if not a little later than that. But other than that, it was an incredible experience. And let's get this weekly chat wrapped up because we get to film an episode right after this. Oh, yeah. But, Double header. Double header. But thank you so much to everyone who supports us again. This is only possible because of you. You've helped give us this opportunity to start making independent films and get the production company going, Miramish Productions. Let's go. LFG for everybody. Thank you so much. We're eternally grateful for your support and friendship and everyone who tunes into us every day. Wow. Bottom Amazing. Of our hearts. Thank you. Like I said, this movie is as much... A- a part of you as it is a part of us. And I, another thank you to Cody and Calvin for making the trip out here to help us because you guys really were essential to our production. So the thank boys! You. The boys! And they learned so much. I hope you guys were sponges that entire week and absorbed as much as you could mm-hmm. because there is a lot to learn on a set. Yeah. And I, it was an amazing three days. It was it was wild. It was crazy. But yeah. I had a, I had a blast. Don't forget, if you can't come in Los Angeles to see the show, you got to get those digital tickets from moment.co slash Raiders of the Lost so you can watch the stream live as it's going on in person, which should be so fun. And you can also use the link in our bio as well. It's all there. Yeah, it's going to be in this episode as yeah. well, the, the URL you can um, click on. You're so smart. Yeah, got to put it in there for everybody. Nice. Uh, take care, everybody. Talk to you soon. Episodes this week. We have Christmas bracket, Christmas bracket, and Elf, Elf, yeah, yeah. Elf, yeah. It's Christmas, it's Christmas oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Time. Christmas bracket. And we elf. gotta decorate the set for Elf. Yeah, we'll we do can't a little forget. bit. Yeah, we'll we do can't a little forget. bit. We've just been so busy. Yeah, <laughs> we got some stuff we can put up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, take care, everybody. See you next time. Raiders of the Lost podcast is a Mirror Image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.